Good morning. This is Brother Michael. As we continue our study in the book of Revelation, we get over to Revelation chapter 5. Now, from Revelation chapter 4 to the end of the book of Revelation, you'll find out that the scene will go from what's happening in heaven to what is happening on the earth. Now, in order to understand chapter 5, we need to realize that chapter 4 and chapter 5 are together. You cannot separate the two. Uh, John said he was called up by the Holy Spirit into heaven where he sees the Lord Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father. Now, let me go ahead and let's read uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book. Now, let's start. Who is sitting on the throne? Well, that is God the Father. In his right hand, he has a book. Now, notice that. Written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. Now, let's stop here. Uh, this book was written on both sides. Now, what do we need to see here? Well, we need to see that it's the Lord Jesus Christ uh, that is at the right hand of the Father, God the Father sitting on the throne, and in his hand, he has a book. Now, there is something very interesting about this book because uh, the book during the time of Christ, uh, they wrote it on papyrus, and what they would do is they would write on the inside, and as they rolled it up or as they sealed it up, you could not see any of the writing. Yet this one is unusual because it's written on the front side. It's also written on the back side, and it is sealed with seven seals. So in order to read what's in the book, you break a seal, it will reveal a portion of the information that the book contains, and you would break the next seal, it would it would uh, you would be able to show the next portion all the way until you broke it all seven seals. Now, the question is, what is this book? What does this book contain? Now, we know that in heaven there is the book of life, and in the book of life of those who are writ whose names who have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, the ones who accepted the Lord by faith, their name is written in the book of life. Now, we see this scroll is here. There's a lot of speculation on what this book is or the title of this book. Well, I believe that the title of this book, this is the title deed of the world, the title deed of the earth. And it contains within the book the requirements for redemption. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, you can look at verse 17 and verse 18, uh, it says, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, and has eaten of the tree of which I command thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, not only did they die spiritually, uh, but the world was cursed. The curse of sin was brought upon the world. Now, Christ came so that he might not only redeem us, but that he might redeem the land. Notice 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, 
but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We're redeemed by Christ's sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Now notice this next verse. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. In other words, Christ was ordained before the foundation of the world. God knew that man was going to fall. God knew that the curse would be upon the ground and that Christ was going to die on the cross of Calvary so that he might not only redeem mankind, but he also might redeem the earth. So we look uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about uh, that we'll receive a new body because of the redemption that we have in Christ, that it's going to be made new. But then we get to Romans chapter 8, verse 18, and it talks about the redemption of the earth. Look at this, verse 18, down through verse 23. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willing, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into this glorious liberty of the children of God that will be saved. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together to now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. The whole creation is looking for redemption. All the way back in Leviticus, it talks about that the land belongs to the Lord. Leviticus 25, 23, down through verse 28. The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, God is saying, and that he is going to restore it. He is going to redeem it. So we see it is the redemption requirements for the land. Now, how do we know this? Well, when land was sold, a record was kept in the temple that would describe the requirements for buying the, ban- the, buying the land back or redeeming the land back from those who sold it. And usually there were two copies available, one that the public could see, and the other was sealed in case the land was to be redeemed. Now, when the near kinsman came to redeem the land, and you can look in Revelation on all the requirements, when he came to redeem the land, he would look at the public document so he would know if he was able to fulfill the requirements or not. Could he pay for it or not? And when he realized he could, then what happened is when he was to redeem the land, the seal documents were brought forth, the seals were broken, and he fulfilled the requirements for the redemption. In other words, he looked, yes, I'm able to pay for it. Now I want to redeem the land. So they go, they bring out the, the uh, sealed, the seals are broken. He redeems it according to the requirements. Now, this is a beautiful picture of what Christ is doing in chapter 5. He has fulfilled all the requirements to redeem the land that man sold when he went into sin. 
Christ is our near kinsman. He was willing to redeem it. He is able to redeem it. He paid the price for it on the cross of Calvary. And now, not only we're saved by what he has done, there's coming a day that he's going to redeem the land. And he's going to make it new, a new heaven and a new earth. If you want to see a beautiful picture of this, go study the book of Ruth. Because the book of Ruth talks about the nearest kinsman and how Boaz uh, is a picture of Christ as the near kinsman redeemer. He redeems the land. He marries Ruth, uh, who was a Gentile, Ruth, a picture of the church. He restores Naomi, who is a picture of Israel. And you see that the redemption is complete. And we're going to see this during the millennial reign of Christ. And what a beautiful picture that is. But we must understand that Christ is the only one who is able to redeem. Now, look down to verse 2, down through verse 4. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book? Now, the only one who's worthy to open the book is the near kinsman, the one who's going to redeem and to loosen the seals thereof. And no man in heaven or in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. In other words, there is not a man, there's not a man found that was worthy, that is able, that could pay the price for the redemption that was fulfilled the requirements. And notice what happened. John says, I wept bitterly. Now, why is there no man? Well, because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of the Lord. We've all sinned. Man is born with a sin nature. Man is, becomes a sinner by his own choice. And whenever you have any sin, you cannot redeem. You cannot pay for the redemption. Only a perfect sinless person can open the scroll. Now, who was a perfect sinless person? The Lord Jesus Christ, he who is without sin. Now, notice that. Uh, He that is without sin can redeem the land. Uh, We see that back in 1 Peter chapter 1, that Christ with the precious blood of the Lamb, uh, that he shed his blood, he was without sin. Now, go on, let's look down a little bit further. Look at verse 5. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loosen the seven seals. Who is the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David? Well, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is from the tribe of Judah. Notice that. Uh, a wonderful uh, prophetic Uh, verse back in the Old Testament is in Genesis chapter 49, verse 8. Now, Jacob is blessing his sons, and in Genesis 49, verse 8, he gets to Judah. He says, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up he stooped down. He crashed, crouched as a lion, as an old lion. Who shall rise him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, 
nor a lawgiver from between his feet. Unto Shiloh come, unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Behold his foal unto the vine, his ass colt unto the choice vine. He washes his garments in wine, his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, his teeth white as milk. Why do we see it's a picture of the coming of the Messiah in the lineage of Judah? Christ was born in the lineage of Judah. Uh, the, excuse me, the lineage of Judah. One of his names is the line of the tribe of Judah. And we need to see this. And we need to see Christ, that he is uh, the one who is able to redeem with his precious blood. So what do we see in this? Well, look at verse 8. Well, let's go back to verse 7 for just a second. In verse 7, we see, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Who? Christ, the Son of God, took the, th- the book out of God the Father's hand, who was sitting upon the throne. Now, notice when we look at verse 8, And we had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps, gold, and vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saint. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of the many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousands, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength, honor, glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as in the sea and all that are in them heard I say and blessed honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth on the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. The four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. So what is this passage? This passage is a worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are worshiping Christ because they're saying he is worthy that the blood that he shed, he paid the price for our sins. He paid the price for the redemption of all creation. It's interesting because the 10,000 times 10,000, it refers to an innumerable multitude, a multitude that you cannot count. So what do we see in all of this? We see the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is worthy. Notice, blessings, honor, glory, power unto him. He is the one that is worthy. You know, I think about that verse back, I believe it's in Philippians chapter 2, when it says, There is coming a day that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. 
And we see so many people today, they are uh, using the name of Christ as a cuss word, and, and they're trying to blaspheme his name, and they're speaking ill of the Lord. But there is coming a day they're going to realize that he truly is a son of God, and that he sits upon the throne of glory, and that he is going to be the one that's going to break the seals, and he has redeemed creation. His blood paid the price for our sins. He is the only one that is worthy of honor and glory and praise. And we must worship him. What a day that will be when we see Christ opening the scroll, breaking the seals, showing the requirements to pay for the redemption of all of creation. He paid the price for your sins. He paid the price for my sins. And he paid the price for all of creation to be redeemed. And that day is coming. And I look forward to that day. And I hope you're looking forward to that day. So what does this chapter teach us? This chapter teaches us who Christ is, that he is worthy, and that he is the only one to be praised, to be honored, and to be glory because he is the Son of God. And we need to see him as the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, as the one who is of the line of the tribe of Judah. He is coming back, and we look forward to that day. Let us worship him. Let us praise him. Let us honor him in how we live our lives so that when we stand before him, that he'll be pleased with us. We're going to continue our study next week into Revelation chapter 6 when the Lord begins to open the seals. And we'll see that when the first seal is broken, and we'll study this next week. I hope you have a great week.